the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Christ didn't simply heal a paralyzed man. He transformed him, both physically and spiritually. Those who are saved understand the very physical and spiritual relationship they have with Jesus Christ. If you know this, want this for someone else or for yourself, keep listening. The Transformative Power of Christ with Pastor John Allworth starts now. Good evening, everyone. My name is Baron Cheek, and I'm standing in for Pastor Allworth today. He is actually celebrating his birthday with his lovely wife, Rebecca, and he invited me on the show tonight to um, speak um, about recovery and speak about some of my time in ministry. Um, uh, But first, I'd like to give a shout-out to uh, Pastor John Allworth's church, New Covenant Church Greater Heights. We have a Sunday evening service at 6 o'clock p.m. on Sundays at uh, 240 West 18th Street, Houston, Texas, down in the Heights. And again, we have a Friday night ministry called Break Every Chain. And there's that New Covenant Church, which is Pastor Mazapika, and that's at 901 Wilson Road in Humble, Texas. Please feel free to join us. We're a family-oriented church. Uh, we're a very loving church. We welcome everybody. No perfect people allowed. And we're going to celebrate you joining us. So tonight... Uh, what I'd like to discuss is uh, a sermon that I did while I was involved as a volunteer chaplain at the Harris County Jail in Houston, Texas. While there, I wrote a book uh, called Challenges, Blueprints for a Genuine Faith. You can find that on Amazon.com. And um, one of the more popular sermons that really used, seemed to touch the hearts of the inmates was a um, sermon called Driving Forces. And basically what that talks about is what are we made of, and what is it that influences us in our lives? Um, what is it that, that pushes us? What is it that drives us? And in some cases, you can see where that's very applicable to recovery. But as Pastor John Olworth says, everybody is recovering from something. Everybody is struggling with something in this life. Uh, so with that being said, we're going to go ahead and get started. And we're going to break this down and get a little bit analytical with it. Um. Basically, each and every one of us has three components. We have a body, we have a soul, and we have a spirit. And uh, bear with me while I get a little bit technical during this part, then we're going to go over some word that will that will um, they'll address what we're going to talk about. In our body, the body is what you see in the mirror every day, and it's just a shell. Basically, it's you and your parent, your, your parents' DNA that comes together. Your mother, father's DNA came together and created a shell. But you uh, and your soul and your spirit was created by God, and that is an individual creation. But it is under influence within this world, and we're going to go much deeper than that. So with your body, you have all kinds of stimulus. You have things like pain, you have tired, you have hungry, and of course you even have uh, sensations such as pleasure. Um, So with that kind of influence, we can see where things like drugs or sex or types of pleasure 
might lead into what we're going to talk about next, which is the soul. The soul is where we feel temporary things like happy, sadness, anger, anything that might happen that is all temporary. In the soul, it's all temporary. But unfortunately, in this world, we find that our soul is very much under the influence of the body and the world around us, stimulus around us. So you think, okay, what kind of things might make me happy if I'm not a, if I'm not a spiritual person? And we're going to go on to the spirit here in a second. But the soul is where I feel happy, happiness and sadness and anger. So what might make me happy? Well, um, I just went out today and I bought a brand new Corvette. And guess what? As I walk, drive it down the road, I can see people looking at me. Or maybe it's even better than that. We're, we're in Houston. The uh, Corvette really isn't too much. But what if I bought a net brand new Lamborghini? Or if I live in a mansion and all of a sudden people are saying, hey, wow, who's that guy? I want to get to know him. What does he do? And what, what, what is it that's making him so special where he's winning this game of life? That would tend to make my soul happy in a worldly sense. It's worldly stimulus. Um, so we can see where the body and worldly influence. Worldly influence can be uh, things like how much money uh, I make. I just got a raise, so I'm going to be making more money. Um, I can go out and spend more money on vacations. I can go out and buy things that will provide me with temporary happiness. So we can see where worldly influence and fleshly influence being in the way of the body can make my, my soul temporary happy. But we have that third component, the spirit. And the spirit is much deeper, and that's actually the, the component that God is most interested in because that's the part that has eternal life. That's the part that carries on once the body passes away. Um, and the spirit is what actually feels things that stay for much longer. A spirit is where you feel contentment. A spirit is where you feel peace. A spirit is where you feel joy. Um, some of the, the other side, spirit, you can feel loneliness. You can feel a void. You can feel ineptness. You can feel like your your life is just not measuring up. That's in your spirit where you feel void. You feel uh, maybe even darkness if you're involved in things that are dragging you down or, or creating harmful effect in your life. This is where you feel it in your spirit. So what we're looking at is when a person becomes born again, when a person says, I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior, guess what? The Holy Spirit comes to you, and it talks about this in the Gospel of John, chapter 14 through 17, and I strongly recommend that everybody spend some time and really read those chapters of the Bible, because that's where it really talks about the foundational relationship and what the role of the Holy Spirit is in each and every one of us, because it talks to us and says, the counselor will come to you. When I go, the counselor will come to you, and he will lead you into all truth, and he will show you what is yet to come. That means that, just like the name Emmanuel says, Christ in us, and he conjoins with our spirit, and then we start to become spirit-led. So the man that gives himself, or the, the person, excuse me, the, the, the person that gives himself to Christ all of a sudden becomes this transformation. This transformation begins to happen where he is no longer, hopefully, he needs to learn to no longer be influenced by sensations such as pleasure or, or hunger or, or pain or worldly things such as money or cars or worldly possessions, but instead begins to die to all that. He begins to die to all that and transform himself and becomes all of a sudden what we call spirit-led or spiritually driven. Now, when his spirit is conjoined with the Holy Spirit, that means all of a sudden now things become new. He puts on a new self. He becomes a new creation, and he's led, and he becomes in tune with God and God's Holy Spirit. That means all of a sudden he's going to start to notice different things begin to give him joy. 
things in his life. Like, what is God doing in my life? What is God doing in my heart? Where is God taking me? How much have I influenced the people in my world? What is God using me? Is he using me my spiritual gifts such as encouragement, uh, a caretaker, administrator, leader? All of a sudden, I'm seeing this new animal come forth inside of me, and I'm starting to be led instead by the Spirit. Now, I'm going to throw some scriptures out there. And again, this is, okay, what are we led by? As as a being in this world, are you led by the world or fleshly desires? Or are you led by the Spirit and, and the Holy Spirit and in tune with God's heart and what make God, makes God happy? 1 John 2.15, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father. So that, there, that show, that's a scripture that directly addresses what we just talked about. When you give your life to Christ, you, literally, you, you die to your old self. You become transformed. You become made new. And you begin to walk to the beat of a different drum, the different drum being the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. Matthew six nineteen through 21 says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and dust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and dust do not destroy, and where, there's, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now let me give you one example I'm going to show you something. And again, this is not to capitalize on people's misfortune, but I saw something happen. And this is, this is, this can be typical of any of us. This can happen to any single one of us. And it's happened to me. So believe me, I understand where these people were. But when I lived in Austin back in the early 2000s, there was a day. And, and I remember Austin had a, a corporation there called Dell. Everybody's familiar with Dell computers. And their hub was in, in Austin, Texas. And the groups of people that travel with Dell, they work with Dell. When we went out on Friday and Saturday nights, you could always tell the groups of Dell people, they were always this group, and they, they kind of stayed to themselves, and they were, they were you know, really on top of the world down there because they were doing so well and the corporation was doing well. But then all of a sudden, in one day, they laid off 5,000 employees, and I tell you, it was brutal the way they did it. I had a friend that worked at Dell, and it said it was so scary because they literally had state troopers come in and say, okay, you've got five minutes to clean out your desk. Now, imagine what that would do to somebody when their identity, just like this, this is what we're talking about here, when your identity is steeped in, okay, I'm making a great income, I'm making six figures, I work for Dell Computers, I am on top of the world right now, and then all of a sudden you're being escorted out by state troopers, and guess what? Your, your life is over. Your identity, that, that which you put your treasure in, is gone. I had a friend that was a paramedic during that time, and he said for the two weeks after that, they had more suicide calls. And that, that, that's a shame that people in this world are moved so much. But believe me, folks, I've lost a business. In 2017, I lost a business that I had for, for 18 years. And it can be a shock to the system. It can be something that, that really does pull the rug out from under you. But that's why the Bible says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we're going to talk about that in being spirit-led and not led by the things of the world. James 4.3 talks about when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You got to remember, if you're praying about something and you're praying for something, if you're praying to get a promotion, if you're praying that you'll be able to close on this new house, if you're praying that you'll get a certain job or that you'll 
make a certain amount of income, you have to think for a minute, is God truly going to give you something that's going to build up your flesh, okay? And and take from your spirit and from you being spirit-led. So that's one of the things you have to take and kind of check yourself and say, okay, where am I coming from this? What is the motives of the heart? So we can see that our struggle throughout this whole time becomes a struggle between worldly matters and the sinful nature, or what Christians know as the fleshly nature, and God and, and his Spirit, his Holy Spirit. And this is a daily battle. And Jesus even talks about it. He says you to, to, to die to yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me daily. Okay? And what that means is constantly putting down and crucifying the fleshly nature. Believe me, we live in Houston. There is plenty of material, fleshly, worldly things here to look at. Even when you're going down the freeway, you can see all kinds of billboards that incite, you know, matters of the flesh. Um, what it's like to be successful in this world, to have the right car, to live in the right part of town, to have the right job, to work for the right corporation, to be making the right income. Um, but those are all matters of the flesh. And believe me, everything of the flesh that of those worldly matters is transient. So you don't want to put all your eggs into that basket, but instead crucify the flesh and be guided by the Spirit. Romans 8, 5 through 8 says, Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of a sinful man is death, but the mind of a, of a led by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Why is that? Because they're led by the flesh. They're looking at things of the world. They're saying, boy, I wish I had that other job. I wish I'd get this promotion. Boy, I'm going to make enough money to where I can go over to this this over here, and I want to live in that neighborhood. I want to live in this type of house. I want to go move over to this this part of the world. And and that's contrary. That's I, 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 I. And that's contrary to living for God, saying, God, what would you have me to do? God, would you please help me to fill my purpose? You you, you created me, now what would you have me to do? And so that's where your spirit is going to become happy because it is actually more conjoined with, with the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.16, So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. Now, that explains everything that we just talked about. There's constantly going to be a struggle. There's always going to be a struggle between the flesh and the spirit. And the spirit, when you when you get your life to Christ, is, is you need to learn to crucify the flesh and become more controlled by the Holy Spirit and, and who you are in Christ and what your spiritual gifts are and what drives you in that direction. And that can be a lifelong struggle. I have never met a Christian who has completely mastered that. I have not. Every single Christian, whether he's a pastor, whether he's a new believer, they always struggle with that. It's just as you get more mature in your faith, you start to discover new layers of yourself that open up new areas where you're going to have some serious challenges in those areas. So just know that as you as you pursue your faith, you're always going to have that struggle with you. It's always going to be a discipline to crucify the flesh and live by the Spirit. And we see this sometimes. A lot of intermediate Christians, kind of somewhat Christians, they, they put one foot in the world and still go and chase after the worldly desires and the fleshly desires. 
but they go to church on Sunday and, and they, they still have somewhat kind of relationship with Christ. But they, you see here, it says it, 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 they cannot please God, you know, because you're still not sold out. You're still following the desires of the flesh. Now you can see where we're going to next with this is how it translates to recovery. What about those people? What about those people who constantly struggle with a, a component of their fleshly nature that is so deeply ingrained that is so deeply ingrained, it's like, man, I cannot shake this thing. This is the thorn in my flesh. Paul talks about it. You know, Lord, please remove the thorn in my flesh. And and God said, my grace is sufficient for you. So now we're going to move on. And we're going to talk about forces and influences of brokenness. And when I was involved in ministry, the thing that used to touch me the most is that I found that people that suffered with addictions, uh, alcohol abuse, uh, some form of sexual deviancy, uh, abusive behaviors, you know, they, they all, when you trace it back, they all come from some sort of broken event. We're all born into a broken world, and we're all broken vessels, but with some people, something has happened. There's something there. There's a, there's a source of pain or woundedness or brokenness in their past, typically right around their childhood. And I'm just going to ask you to pray and ask God to lead you to this place where you can address these issues, because I've got some wonderful scriptures that are going to lead you through this. But here we go. So bear with me. Whenever this event happened, or maybe it was a chaotic environment, maybe it was an abusive parent, maybe it was an abusive step-parent, and it might have been physical abuse, emotional abuse, or maybe even sexual abuse, right? Something happened back there. And it created pain. It created a deep pain. We're not talking, okay, somebody hurt my feelings once. We're talking the type of pain that affects your soul and even into your spirit. So after that pain, over time, that pain, if it's not resolved, if it's not addressed, becomes fear. Fear, over time, if it's not addressed and resolved and made amends with, becomes bitterness or resentment. And we see this. We see this with people. You can almost see it in their eyes. You can see it when you talk to them, that they have a bitterness or a resentment that they're walking through with life. Over time, if that bitterness or resentment is not a, not resolved, not taken care of, not healed, and not remedied, it turns into anger. And we've seen people, we know people that are walking with component of anger. It comes out when, when they drink. It comes out in the way they talk. It comes out as cynicism. It comes out as negativity. And that's how you can tell, wow, this person... <laughs> has got some anger down inside. Well, underneath that anger, believe it or not, is fear and pain. And this is, in ministry, what you as a child of God, as you grow spiritually led, you begin to see these things in people because God calls you as a child of God to address these issues within people. So with that being said, anger manifests itself in different ways with each individual person. It can, it can, it can manifest itself as eating disorders, it can manifest itself as rebellious acts, resentment of authority. It can res- re- manifest itself as violence and also deviant sexual behavior. And guess what? Alcohol abuse and drug addictions. Okay? Now, I'm not going to elaborate on it because this, this, we don't have enough time to really talk about it. But part of my testimony is that I went through a period of time where it seemed like everybody I knew planted a knife in my back from business partners significant others, employees, and then it all ended in, a, in, in the grand finale, which is my second divorce. My second divorce, I, I, I did. I just got crucified. And I did. I wanted to go to sleep. I just wanted to go to sleep for a year. 
I just wanted to say goodbye to the world. And I, it, it's not that I was suicidal. I wasn't. I was. I, it's just that I just wanted to sleep for a year, and that's where I had my struggles for a period of time. For a period of time, uh, it was about three years, and then all of a sudden, God just kind of spoke into me and said, "Look, it's time for you to get off the canvas. It's time for you to wake up. It's time for you to get back into life. I understand you're on the canvas, but it's time to wake up." And and that period of time for me really led me to a part where I came to an understanding about more of what was in me and what led me to different places in my life and other believers, other believers that still, it's like, man, I love God. I love Christ. I have a relationship, God, but there is this thorn in my flesh. And, and believe me, it keeps coming back and I can't seem to break it. I'm going to implore you to spend some time in prayer, spend some time with the heavenly father. And I have some scriptures for you because guess what? God created you. He created me. He did not create you to be a broken vessel. That happens in this broken world that we're born into. Okay, what he did is 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 I tell people if your if your vehicle is broken, it's just not running right. Where do you take it to the dealer? The people that made it, right? The people that made the car or the truck, wherever, take it back to them because they know how it works. So what do I do if I'm broken and I can't get it together and I keep stumbling with this thorn in my flesh and I can't get myself right? Where do I take it? To the creator. I take it in prayer. I go to the altar. I go to the altar and I get on my knees and I say, Lord, please, please help me to be what you created me to be. I don't like who I am. Something has to change. Please, Lord, will you please help me? You're my God. You're my father. You're my creator. Will you help me to get rid of this and help me to do what you created me to do? Psalm 147.3. Please remember this. Psalm 147.3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And we also have Psalm 107, 19 through 20. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent forth his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. We have a father, and I can testify, and there's so many people out there that testify to the same fact that we have a loving God, that created us, only wants the best for us, and who will heal us in ways we don't even know that we're broken, okay? And I believe me, I have known so many Christians who love God and love Christ, and Christ is in their life, and I can see him in their hearts when they talk about him. But they still have this form of brokenness, and they hide their shame. Sometimes they're ashamed of it. Sometimes other people don't know about it. But they're so ready to get rid of it. Like the Bible says, we, Lord, will you please put my sins as far as the east is from the west? We also have another scripture. Second, Second Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Okay? So that means that we have a God who will reach down, who will show you those parts. And I'm going to tell you something that I have found in, my, in the times that I've been in ministry, Harris County Jail and so forth, that more times than not, he is going to call you to comfort those with the comfort that you have been given. For the wounds that you have bared, for the scars that you have bared, you're going to go and you're going to go out there and you're going to be led. God is going to lead you to other Christians who you will comfort with the comfort which you have been given. Okay? And that is, again, to love others the way that God has loved us. So remember that. When people act out in these ways, those are just symptoms, violence, rebellion, eating disorders, 
sexual deviancy, alcohol abuse, drug abuse, those are just symptoms of what's going on underneath. And I want to implore you, I've got one more scripture for you here. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5. Praise be to God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. And that's important because that's what we're here to do. Each one of us is created to be the hand of God in this life, the hand of Jesus Christ, and you're made to go out there and love others the way God has loved you. So when you see people who are wounded, when you see people who are in distress, when you see people who are broken, remember the way that God loved you and go and love them with the same remedies you felt from your loving Father. That's all I have today. Again, please let me extend an invitation to join us 6 o'clock p.m. Sunday nights at New Covenant Church Greater Heights in the Heights and also Friday night Break Every Chain Ministries at New Covenant Church in Humboldt, Texas. Thanks again to John Allworth. Have a happy birthday. Enjoy your time with your wife. We love you and we appreciate each and every one of you that have tuned in this evening. Have a great night.